Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game in Revenue Growth, presented by SAP, the best-run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo. In light of findings that 74% of all B2B and B2C buyers do their own research online before making a purchase, it's time for you to better understand how your customers make their purchasing decisions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Yes, indeed. In the house. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you know what I always say, and it's true. This is where the best run, so stay tuned for the next hour. I have an interesting quote. We call it the buzz. What's the buzz on the street? Found this quote from a man named Andrew Zola at Springboard.com in one of his blogs. Listen up. This is important for every one of you in our global listening audience to know. By 2020... Do the math, it's coming up very soon. By 2020, every human is expected to generate 1.7 megabytes of data every second. Just let that sink in. Leveraging big data, for example, is already saving Netflix as much as $1 billion a year on customer retention. Just let that all sink in. You are one of those humans we're talking about. And 2020 is coming up very, very fast. You're giving off data. You're sharing it. You're putting it out there. So what are we talking about today here on our B2B Revenue Growth Show? The new modern customer for your B2B business requires a new approach to demand generation and revenue growth. Why? Well, there used to be a one-size-fits-all approach to connecting with your customers. The landscape is shifting. Get with the picture. Your company needs to personalize how you connect with and engage with customers and prospects. It's their buying circle. It's their buying journey. It's their buying process. It's not yours anymore. Their voice is helping to create your brand. Their journey is where you need to be. It's not by the book anymore. So, in order to do the right marketing and demand gen strategies, you need a bunch of things you may not have thought of before. What about customer personas? Heard about them? Okay, it's time. Industry trends? You gotta get with the trends. And competitive insights. And that takes us back to the key word in my opening statement from Andrew Zola. First, Find and use the right data. Ah, rest my case. I have three experts joining me today who are going to help us figure this out. I'm just going to tell you who they are, and then we're going to have them introduce themselves to you. So first up in a moment, you'll be hearing from Ramon Ray, Smart Hustle Media, serial entrepreneur and author and guy about town. He's testified on small business success before U.S. Congress. I saw the video and it was quite interesting. Then joining him is Crystal Willett, Demand General, General, I think it's Demand Generation Manager at Intelligence. We'll be hearing from Crystal in a minute. And Shannon Platts, who sponsors a series with me, The Future of Business with Game Changers. Shannon's been on with us many times. She's the Global VP of SAP Platform Solutions. So welcome to my three esteemed panelists. Ramon Ray, would you please do me the honor of just telling us in about 90 seconds a little bit about what you do and why this topic is important to you. Absolutely. On Saturday mornings, I make burnt pancakes and bacon. <laughs> I love having it every Saturday morning. Uh, I love educating small and medium-sized businesses how to grow. As you kind of hinted at that, I've started a few companies, sold two companies, and author of a few books. But that's really what I do, a global speaker, best-selling author. And really, I like to have fun and help business owners grow and scale. And I think this topic is important to me. Even myself, a lot of times, Bonnie, I get caught up in using my gut instinct, which is okay mm-hmm. to a degree. But as you grow, data, 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 that's everything. And the numbers don't lie. So I'm excited to be here. And thanks for having me. Thank you. Question for you. Can we mix business with fun? Is that still still a thing, Ramon, where you have such energy and excitement in your voice? I've seen you speak. I've heard you speak. And, and I was teasing you before the show when we were doing our, our pre-chat. I said, mm-hmm. I wish you'd have a little enthusiasm. You're bubbling over with it, and I can we can burn some pancakes together. But is it possible to do all this just quickly on revenue growth for B2B, let's say with a small to mid-sized company, and have fun? Is that possible, Ramon? Thank you, Brian. I think the answer is yes. I mean, listen, you have to be straight late, look at the numbers, and be serious about your business. But I think if your culture, your company culture, your personality can have a little bit of fun, can take yourself a little not so seriously, what are we in business for? And we're in business to help our families and our lives live better. Let's not forget that. So, yes, data can be dry and et cetera, but we can sure have fun while we're doing it. 
Thank you. Love that. Great kickoff to our conversation. Crystal Willett, Demand General Manager. I got it right at Intelligence. Welcome, Crystal. You're also a newcomer to Game Changers. Tell us, please, a little bit about yourself. What do you do? Hi. Yeah, so I'm the Demand Generation Manager here at Intelligence, and my job is basically to look at our market data and our trends and then try to find a way to work with our sales and our marketing teams and use that data to increase our sales pipeline. So I'm looking at a lot of different data all day long, and I have fun doing it, too. <laughs> oh, I'm fun you too. just got a gold star for that one, Crystal. Thank you very much. No pressure on Shannon, who's coming up next. Thank you, Crystal. We have a lot to learn from you. Shannon Platts, SAP Platform Solutions. Shannon, welcome back. You, you're on usually a couple shows a year with me, and I'm so happy that you're back as a sponsor of a series. Very happy to, to do that with you. So, Shannon, tell everybody what's up with you. What's new? Well, there's a couple of things. First of all, it's great to be back, and thank you. I'm so excited about this topic. Um, My particular role is to focus on growing revenue in our independent software vendor market. So SAP working with uh, independent software vendors to bring SAP's technology into uh, the partner products. People and partner relationships and their success is something I'm personally passionate about, and I think data and how we understand people and we understand markets and we understand businesses helps us to deliver a higher quality of engagement and service. So making sure that the experience, whether it's fun, whether it's uh, innovation, whether it is, you know, helping people have a better experience in their workplace or in their buying journey All of those things help us to, they get driven by quality data and helping us to understand those profiles so that we do our jobs better. So I love that. I also find that as a um, champion of women in the STEM area, Mm -hmm. um, data is at the very heart of what we do and how we improve and grow uh, our STEM and technology capabilities. So speaking to young people about uh, how data is changing the landscape of business, both in marketing and service and and uh, product development. All of that is very exciting, and it drives them into careers and opportunities that really allow us to bring great talent to the table in future generations. So it's a, it's a fun topic. I agree with Raymond and Crystal. I think if you can't talk about this with enthusiasm and passion, then you're, you know, you have to look at something else uh, in, in our industry. But this one is something I feel very strongly about. Thank you very much. And Shannon, I know you and I have had, the, I'm sure, have this conversation. I started out in, in uh, what we used to call information technology, information management systems. Back, oh boy, am I going to date myself. Nobody listened to the next statement. Back in the late 1970s when I was key punching, I was a programmer analyst. And uh, I started out after getting a bachelor's degree in psychology. I moved from the East Coast to the West Coast and I enrolled in a community college. I needed a job as a young divorcee. I needed a job. I needed to support my kids. And I took a dual degree in computer programming and operations. Well, what was fascinating to me was that most of the people in the classes were women, Shannon, and this is way back. Uh, They were coming out of other graduate programs. Some had decided they didn't want to be a lawyer. They didn't want to be a doctor. They didn't want to be an architect. And we all just dug our heels in and we learned how to code and we learned how to put together compilers. And we were writing writing code like it was coming out of our eyeballs. And it was such an exciting time. So that may have been the precursor to STEM, Shannon. We were all in our 20s at the time. And it was yeah. such an exciting time. But I was with, with women from all walks of life at this community college. College in Eugene, Oregon. That was my graduate school. So I, I'm always interested in hearing what you have to say. But let's get back on topic. Thank you, Ramon Ray. You've sent me a wonderful quote. We're going to do the opening quotes now. And if you're new to Game Changers Radio in our global audience, and thank you for listening, I always ask my panelists to send me an inspirational quote from a book, a movie, a song, a famous person, a not-so-famous person, who will be famous after we quote them, of course, on Game Changers Radio, and then relate the quote to the topic. So, Ramon Ray, it's 
Smart Hustle Media has sent us a quote. We love this quote, Ramon. It's from Michael Jordan. Let me give a little background. MJ, Michael Jeffrey Jordan, could be MJJ, is an American former professional basketball player, principal owner and chairman of the Charlotte Hornets of the NBA. And what interested me most about his bio, I noticed for the first time, Ramon, because I'm a recent newcomer to North Carolina, is Michael Jordan mm-hmm. played three seasons for Dean Smith at the University of North Carolina. As a freshman, he was a member of the Tar Heels National Championship team back in 1982. And his nicknames are Air Jordan and his airness. I love that. Here's the quote Ramona selected from Michael Jordan. Listen up, everyone. I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I've failed over and over and over again in my life. And that is why I succeed. I get chills when I hear this, when I read this quote, Ramon. Mm. Tell me how you picked this quote for our show today, please. I'm getting chills, too. I need a moment. Okay, the moment's over. <laughs> um, I'm getting chills as well. <laughs> I picked the quote. Bonnie, listen, it means something personally to me, and I won't dwell on that, but just personally to me as an entrepreneur, as one who started companies, and I talk to people all the time, and they're scared to just start. And so I think that's a side issue, but to me personally, this aspect of failure, I embrace. I think as we're talking about small and medium-sized and larger companies embracing data, Bonnie and Crystal and the team here, nobody's going to get it right at first. You have to keep iterating, I think is the big word that we use over and over and over again. That is, the numbers don't lie, but how we use it. It's an imperfect science, how we use it, how we interpret it. So my encouragement to those listening is use the numbers. Use tools that can help you use the numbers. Get help in doing it, but know that it's not going to be perfect day one. And the more and more data you have, the more and more you use it, the better you will get, the better you can target, and then the more success you have. And then you, too, can be like Michael Jordan. So that's the essence (laughs) of, I think, what that means to me personally and to this discussion. Thank you. Fail fast and fail often is the phrase I hear when we talk about design thinking on our shows. That's exactly right. Well, he failed a lot. What's fascinating to me, Ramon, is that Michael Jordan is almost bragging about it. I I think there's a similar quote from, uh, was it um, uh, the light bulb inventor, uh, uh, Thomas Edison? Mm -hmm. I think it's, I I didn't fail 10,000 times. I just didn't get the right answer yet. Something like that. It's it's a wonderful way of humanizing the process of trying something new. Thank you, Ramon. And I really wish you would find a way to get a little more enthusiastic. So we'll just leave that one alone. Thank you. <laughs> Crystal Willett, you're up next. Crystal uh, Crystal sent a quote from the Struts. I had no idea who they are, but we love music quotes, Crystal. I told you when we prepped last week, you couldn't have made me any happier. The Struts are an English rock band from Derbyshire, England, formed in 2009. Their genres are glam rock. I think I probably, I'm a drummer now. I probably could fit into glam rock. Alternative rock and hard rock. Their influences are Queen, the Rolling Stones, Def Leppard, the Smiths, the Strokes, and My Chemical Romance. I only knew what half of those bands were, but I said them anyway. Here is the quote from the lyrics of Could Have Been Me. I don't want to, and I'm not going to sing it, I promise, Crystal. I don't want to take my time. Don't want to waste one line. I want to live better days. Never look back and say, Could Have Been Me. Crystal. I have to go out and buy a buy a stress album after this. This is great. So, Crystal, how did you pick this quote and tell us how it relates to our topic about B2B revenue growth and data? Go ahead. Sure. Well, I love this song by the Struts because it just it really inspires me and reminds me to live every day to its fullest, to live your life without regrets, to not, you know, don't leave anything on the table, just give everything your all. And I think, you know, with our topic of data and engaging with customers in new ways and using data to measure that, it's, again, it's, it's really my personal mantra and my work mantra is give everything your all, give it a try, see what works. Um, I love that fail fast. We say that a lot in the office here. And then try something else. I, I absolutely agree. What's your thought about relating this to data, Crystal? Do you find that oh, sometimes we get the wrong data or it's not clean enough or it's, I don't know, been been rehashed and re-cleansed and re-looked at too many times. Thoughts about uh, never look back and say, are we allowed to make mistakes in picking up the wrong data or not analyzing it the right way? Crystal, what's your thought? Yeah, absolutely. You can make mistakes. I think it's about making sure that you gave it your all, that you made that mistake, learned from it, corrected it, tried again, and then maybe had to make another course correction along the way. So 
just looking back and not saying that, you know, well, this is good enough. Just keep, you know, refining it and perfecting it. Thank you very much. Love the quote. I, I uh, looked at the YouTube version of this song, Crystal, and the accolades, the things people are saying about it. They're lifelong fans now. They love the lyrics. Uh, I think I think you turned me on to a new musical group. So thank you very much. And Shannon Plass has sent us a quote from Stephen Covey. Uh, Stephen Richards Covey, 1932 to 2012, American educator, author, businessman, keynote speaker. He's most popularly known for his book, The Seven habits of highly effective people. He also wrote The Seven Habits of Highly Effective Families, The Eighth Habit, and Principle-Centered Leadership and First Things First. I think I like that one best. He was named one of 25 most influential people back in 1996 by either Time Magazine or The Times. I'm not sure which one it was. And he was a professor at Utah State at the time of his death in 2012. Here's the quote Shannon has selected. This is an interesting one. Next to physical survival... The greatest need of a human being is psychological survival, to be understood, to be affirmed, to be validated, to be appreciated. Shannon, this is giving me chills. You have to tell me how this relates to our topic. It's beautiful. Go ahead. Well, first of all, data is the way we do this in business today. And I think that's what's exciting to me is how can you leverage all this data that is coming in from all of the touch points you have with your customers, with your prospects, how you engage in all of these different ways, whether it's through digital, social, whether it is through conversations over a customer service line, you are gaining that data all the time. And every one of those dimensions of data that you're getting is allowing you to do this psychological survival, to understand your customers, to understand your employees, to affirm them, to validate and to be appreciated. So when you when we talked about this topic and what we were going to discuss from a data point of view mm-hmm. and why data has a value that is so critical for us in the B2B world, it's because it hits to this very core need for every individual. Whether you're whether they're working in a consumer to business relationship, me to my to my businesses. Or whether it is B2B, we're always working with human beings. And so using our mm-hmm. data and the knowledge we have to understand, affirm, validate, and appreciate is at the core of successful experience engagement. Thank you, Shannon. And that takes me back to my opening. I said the guidepost to developing the right marketing and demand gen strategies for sustained B2B growth, customer personas was the first thing I said. And I remember back in the day when I was working, goodness gracious, where uh, Chase Bank and Global Cash Management, I think we had seminars. This was before the popularity of webinars. We actually sat down in a room with a presenter and a slideshow <laughs> on a screen, Ramon's laugh, and a screen in a room. And we had a chair and we signed in and we had lunch and all that. Yeah, it was still, still popular to do things in person back in the day. And we talked about customer personas and they showed us a picture of uh, Bob Smith. Bob is a father, and he has three cars in the garage, and he wishes he could be more successful, and he's the procurement manager for XYZ Widget Company. And then they showed us Mary Jane Jones, and they... all right, so just to say Mary Mary Jones and Mary Jones, sorry, um, and she is uh, she is a, a rising star in such and such an industry, and she's one of the personas, and we, we used to study them that way. So I'm fascinated by your quote, Jen, and the quote you picked up from Stephen Covey because that so key to be understood, affirmed, validated, and appreciated, part of understanding the customer personas. And basically, B2B is still people, right, Shannon? It's still people buying that's from right. people. That, that's that's the basic. If we get we give nothing else from this show today out to our audience, one is you're still selling to people, and number two, data, data, data. We're going to leave it there. Now we're going to get to know our panelists even a little bit more up close and personal. We're doing great on time here, so we have time for this. Start with Ramon Ray. Two questions. Where are you today? What hemisphere, what stratosphere, what continent? Something about where you are because our global audience loves to know. And number two, what is your favorite drink, Ramon? It could be any kind of a beverage. I know it's only a little afternoon here on the East Coast, but hey, it's beer o'clock somewhere around the world. I, I don't know if that's what you're going to drink. What's your favorite <laughs> drink, Ramon? Ramon, talk to me. Yeah, the favorite drink is a mixture of 
uh, orange, cranberry, and pineapple, since I don't drink, as it were, like alcohol and all that, I love a like, cocktail blend, like a fake beer or a fake wine or a fake something or other. But that's what I like to have, orange, cranberry, pineapple. It's a nice juice thingamajiggy. And when I tell certain restaurants or bars, they're like, really? And I'm like, just make a fruit drink. And they're like, oh, okay. And it tastes great cold. <laughs> Do you have the little umbrella with it, with a little a little bit of pineapple on the on the spear on the umbrella? Or not? You know, now we're talking. That's like two dollars more for the pine for the umbrella <laughs> and the pineapple on top. So I usually skip that, but we're getting there. We're getting there, Bonnie. We're getting there. Uh, and where are you today, Ramon? What part of the world? Yeah, I live, of course, in the New York City area. But today I'm in Orlando checking out Ooh. some of the amazing theme parks they have here. So that's where I'm at today. Well, thank you for calling in from Orlando. We appreciate that. We had, I think, the city manager, the the CIO of Orlando on a show about smart cities last week talking about Orlando. So shout out to Orlando, the home of Epcot. And we always get Disney quotes, so we talk about that often. Thank you. Crystal Willett, you're up next. Let's get to know you a little better. Where in the world are you today? And what's your favorite beverage? So I'm calling in out of Cincinnati, Ohio beautiful city, home of the Flying Pig Marathon that just happened last month. It's <laughs> a fun fact. I don't run, though. If I'm running, there's a bear or something chasing me, so yeah, I'm not running in the marathon. But I'm looking at it. It's the largest weekend party in town. They just had the 22nd Flying Pig Marathon, and you can be part of it if you're a runner or a walker or you want to want to volunteer the Cincinnati Flying Pig Marathon. OMG, on Lynn Street in Cincinnati. My goodness, that's brand new to us. You can still tell us a drink, but you really topped this one off, Crystal. <laughs> first first uh, Sunday. Go ahead. Sure. Yeah. So my favorite drink is uh, it's a wine called Blue Heron. It's from St. Julian Winery up in Frankenmuth, Michigan. I stumbled across that while traveling. My husband and I love to travel, and we love, like, weekend trips. And we were up in Frankenmuth, which if you've never been to Frankenmuth, Michigan, it's a little German town in um, kind of middle of Michigan, neat little city. Very nice. And there is a website, stjulian.com, St. Julian. And Blue Heron is a delicious example of Michigan's cool climate white wines. Lovely aroma of peach, melon, and citrus blossoms dominate. Delicate flavors of pear, mango, etc., etc. And that's all I see here in my Google lookup. Thank you. That is a new one, Crystal, to me. I've had probably couple of thousand people on Game Changers Radio over the past eight years, and I don't think anybody has ever mentioned St. Julian Winery or Blue Heron, so thank you for the eye-opener. I bet it's really, really good. Okay, it's a semi-sweet white wine. Thank you very much, and it's very affordable. I saw the price. Thank it you is. very much. <laughs> Shannon, we got a good group here today. Shannon Platts, where are you in the world? Ooh, and what do you love to drink? Well, today I'm in Dallas. If we'd been having this conversation last week, I would have been in Osaka, Japan. So um, that leads to why I'm going to call out this particular drink lately. I got introduced to sake while I was in Japan recently. And um, no particular favorite, so I can't give you brands and everything. So it was just a a brand new drink that I had never truly appreciated in the past, and uh, we got to have it with some great sushi while we were there, and um, got to go to a brewery to learn more about how they brew it and, and case it, and then uh, just the amazing uh, history of it, right, and how it is, uh, you know, how it really has become uh, one of the key cultural points for mm-hmm. So it's very interesting, and I got to appreciate it in a new way. Um, along with my wine and my scotch that uh, I've had a chance to enjoy over the years. So I'm adding it to my repertoire. Well, thank you. I don't, I don't know how many people have mentioned sake. It's S-A-K-E. If you're into the French version, you put an accent aigu over the E. It's also referred to as Japanese rice wine, an alcoholic beverage made by fermenting rice that has been polished to remove the bran. Unlike wine, in which alcohol is produced by fermenting sugar, naturally present in typically grapes, sake is produced by a brewing process more akin to that of beer, where starch is converted into sugar, which ferment into alcohol. And you can all look it up. S-A-K-E sounds like the English word sake, but it's sake. And it has its own Wikipedia page. And Shannon, there are beautiful pictures here of there's a sake bottle from Japan circa 1740. And they show it also being served in a beautiful 
beautiful clear glass. I've never seen that kind of a glass. I I have had sips of other people's sake when I went to Japanese restaurants on Long Island, but it's not one of my favorites. But I'm glad you're adding it to your to your uh, beverage repertoire, shall we say? Well, anybody who doesn't know me, I'm Bonnie D. Graham here in Durham, North Carolina. Year and a half, getting used to the 35 to 40 degree temperature spread on a daily basis. You wake up between 58 and 60 degrees, and it tops up in the low 90s or even up to 100 by the afternoon. So what climate are we in? I don't know what the South is doing. I don't know what climate change is doing, but this is already very, very hot. And it's only, what's today's day? June 25th, 2019. So uh, I'm just going to say my favorite beverage is not the one I'd love, but for radio show days. And today's a double header, two shows live, an hour apart. Shannon knows this. I'm not allowed to go near caffeine. Wondering why, Ramon? <laughs> I'm only allowed to have water when I'm on the radio, so that's what I've got, a cool clear glass. But I did switch from plastic straws because I've been inundated with news articles and, and TV blasts about how we're gunking up the global waterways with plastic straws, what they call single-use plastics, that just accumulate and glob up, and they're killing all kinds of fish life, marine life. So I've switched to paper straws. They're called compostables. They're five times as expensive. The money doesn't bother me, but they don't taste good when you drink through them. So I'm having to reacclimate my palate to paper straws. I think I need to find another brand that Blech, that, that don't taste, period. We'll leave that one alone. If you're just tuning in, this is Changing the Game in Revenue Growth Radio. Big shout out to Lorraine Maurice at SAP, who is a sponsor of this series, and Brittany Gu, who works with her, and Brittany is putting together these shows working with Lorraine. So thank you to both ladies for that. We're talking about B2B revenue growth. You need the right data. My very special, very smart, and very wonderful panelists are Ramon Ray at Smart Hustle Media, Crystal Willett at Itelligence, and Shannon Platts at SAP. We're going to take a very quick break. We're right on the dot at 1230 Eastern Time here. Perfect time to take 90 seconds out for the pause that refreshes. Have a drink. Don't go too far because we'll be right back. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. You know the drill. Aaron out. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Studies have shown that buyers in today's digital economy are spending more time online than ever before, discovering and researching products and services. As a result, it is critical for businesses like yours to learn how to locate and engage with prospects and customers in this digital space. Changing the Game in Revenue Growth explores the impact of the changing digital economy on small to medium-sized businesses. We'll define the challenges SMEs face to proactively connect with buyers on their digital journey and share proven strategies to put into action to be successful. Tune in to hear the experiences and insights of top sales and marketing thought leaders and practitioners as they discuss how the digital economy is reshaping the SME business world. Think big, work small. Presented by SAP on the Business Channel. You're listening to Changing the Game in Revenue Growth. Presented by SAP. You're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Changing the Game in Revenue Growth. Here we are. We're back and we're talking about how to build your B2B revenue growth. And there's one thing you need above all, the right data. And that's a packed statement. And we're going to unpack it right now with my three esteemed panelists, Ramon Ray at Smart Hustle Media. I'm going to ask him in a minute how he named his company that. I love the name. Crystal Willett at Itelligence. That's the same as intelligence without the N in the beginning, Itelligence. We've had some of her colleagues on Game Changers before. Very happy to meet Crystal Willett today and Shannon Platts at SAP, our returning guest with good reason. Ramon, before I dive into your statements here, just tell me, how did you name your company Smart Hustle Media? Absolutely. I mean, listen, everybody does hustle on Shark Tank and other shows. You hear hustle, 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 but you can hustle stupidly. You can hustle banging your head against a wall. You can hustle getting nowhere. Uh, so I think anybody, decent person works hard, but I find, Bonnie, that the smart is missing a lot. And I think that's what my mission is. How can we not just hustle, but hustle smarter is my mission. 
I like that. We have smart homes. We have smart cars. We have smart watches. We have smart pills. Why not have a smart hustle? And hustle means selling everyone. There you go. I love it. So Ramon told me the following in his notes before the show. He's going to explain, expand it for about two minutes, and then we'll invite Crystal Willett at Intelligence and Shannon Platz at SAP to chime in and agree or disagree with Ramon, but expand it. So Ramon says, let your employees and trusted community members serve as megaphones for your message and even create content. Ramon, expand us, please, and related to our revenue growth and data topic, please. Absolutely. I think what small businesses do very well, very small businesses, we've always done this, is being authentic and organic and building communities and et cetera. I'm seeing more and more that even the largest businesses are saying, listen, we can't uh, wag the dog. We can't be the brand ourselves. We have 50,000 employees, 100,000 employees, whatever the number is, as larger businesses have, why not not just do advertising, not just do what we're doing on social media, but we have all these employees, many who are advocates and fans of our brand. So my point, what I'm seeing, Bonnie and team members here, those on the call with me, is that even large companies using data find the pockets of community. Find out who are the people who maybe speak best. Find out people who are passionate about something. Give them the tools, the permission, the broad framework. I understand people are thinking, Ramon, what about legal? Yep. Bring legal in. Things have to be done in the proper way, but you can extend your brand a lot easier by letting your employees help extend that. And two, even your customers. We're all fans of something, whether it's our favorite ice cream, our favorite drink, our favorite t-shirt, our favorite car, our favorite helicopter widget. I don't know. So the point is is that if you're able to harness the masses, we've heard of user-generated content, which is a bit Mm -hmm. different discussion, Bonnie, but the point, same side of the coin, is that letting employees be megaphones and speak for your brand and you can tie that back to data, you know, as you're, as, you're, as you're tracking how this happens as well. So that's really what that means is that you can't be the brand alone. Let other people carry that water for you because they'll gladly do it. Thank you very much. Very, very interesting approach. Crystal Willett at iTelligence, why don't you join us? Agree or disagree with what Ramon Ray just shared? Um, I agree to, you know, to a point on bringing in communities and bringing in your employees to do a lot of it. But for, for me, like that's just a piece of everything, and I'm sure it is for Ramon also, but so we've been using uh, kind of having some of our employees be social ambassadors out there on social media and getting our messaging out there and creating some content to help them start that. So I, I totally agree with that part of it. And then measuring, figuring out what KPIs you want to measure from that because that's where the data comes in. Is this working? Is it not working? Is it just creating noise, Right. Very interesting. Thank you. And and do you think that uh, by letting employees create some of that content and the community building that you get those refining those customer personas, Crystal, that we talked about, we just mentioned with Shannon a minute ago, and I'll have Shannon weigh in on this as well. What are your thoughts, Crystal? Do I think that that helps define those customer personas? Yes. Um, you know, I don't know that yet, actually. I would say I'm I'm on the fence on that. That's fair. That's an absolutely fair, fair comment. I threw that at you. Thank you. Shannon Platts, join us. What do you think about this community building, this content creation in terms of growing your brand, growing your revenue for B2B? I, I absolutely believe in that um, everyone owns a responsibility for the experience that our customers and prospects and our employees have, right? It's not just marketing you know, or sales' is responsibility. It is everyone in the organization. I like the uh, concept uh, that Raymond introduced around communities, right? Communities Mm -hmm. are a very powerful way for us to uh, amplify the messages and the experience that we want. When positive experiences are in place, people talk about them. When that just is... Uh, uh, importantly, negative experiences are broadcast, right? So we need to yeah. be really uh, sensitive to gathering that data from those communities. So it's a opportunity to bring data into your organization for communities, just as much as it's been introduced here that they become an amplifier or a megaphone for the experience. I think... Um, when I talk about everyone owns the experience, there are some great examples. Data needs to be democratized, and that means that you're spending all this time bringing in the data. You've got big data coming into your organization. If that data is only exploited and leveraged by one part of the organization, 
huge missed opportunity because experiences mm-hmm. and touch points don't happen through one organization. So data needs to be brought in, respected, and democratized back out to the full organization so that the opportunity to leverage that data to have a more powerful experience and a more powerful social presence, a more powerful conversation. We all all doing that database and all doing that with the same level of access to data will make a high will make a an environment a high performing environment when we do that. Thank you very much. Very good answer. Ramon, this was your topic. Anything you'd like to add before I move on? I've got some interesting statements from Crystal I want to read next. Yeah, I'm just glad that I got one and a half votes in favor. I'll take the half vote kind of on the edge. That's no problem. Um, and the other thing I would—I'm <laughs> saying that in love. The other thing I would add to that, I we think, don't. is that I've even seen brands bring in their channel partners and others in this whole megaphone world. You know, again, it has to be measured. You have to watch it. But there's so many tools, as you know, Abani uh, and others, that, uh, uh, that that you can use to measure it and see if it works and throttle it when it doesn't work when it goes against corporate brand. Hey, mm-hmm. bring it back down. So, thanks for the opportunity. Thank you. Crystal, I think this is the question of the day in your notes here. How do you know if you found the right data? And then you add you need a way to measure and report on the data, then decide on a time frame of measurement and make adjustments. Unfortunately, it's not always an instant yes or a no. You have to measure and interpret the data for the answers. This is the core of what we're trying to get to today. So, Crystal, talk to me. This great, big, huge question, how do you know if you found the right data? Is it a needle in a haystack? Is it a question of having the right data scientists on your team? Is it a question of having the right analytics dashboards to put the data through and cleanse it and look at it and bring it out of the lake or the pond or the zoo and say, yes, that's the data we want. Crystal, talk to me. Interesting. And then we're going to get Shannon and Ramon to weigh in. Crystal? Yeah, um, I, I do think that's the hard thing is finding the right data because in your opening quote, we're all producing so much data on a mm-hmm. daily basis. How do you know what to measure? How do you know what to look at? How do you know what's the important data about your customer that you need to be focused on? And that's what every company should be looking at. And we look at that all the time. I look at that and I say, okay, here's some data. Let's, let's take a look at this. What would be important in that? What KPIs could I measure? And then it's that failing and failing fast and making some adjustments. So we might decide to measure engagements or website visits or something and decide on a time frame to measure that and then take a look at it and say, eh, it didn't work so well. Let's do something else. Um, or we'll say, yeah, that's great. Let's do more of that. But it's all about measuring it. And then um, sometimes it's not clear cut. Sometimes it's uh, figuring out what to adjust. Very interesting. Thank you. That's really the question of the day. Shannon, this is in your wheelhouse. What are your thoughts? How do you know if you found the right data? Is it subjective? Is it objective? Is there an objective? Is there an art and science of the two combined? Shannon? Yeah, I, I think it's definitely art and science. I think you have to really look at it as, first of all, technology has never been more available to us, right, about managing data. But it is about identifying the data that you feel is important to the decisions that you're making and even being open to data that you may not have traditionally used in the decision-making process. So I, I encourage anyone who's really tackling this challenge of big data to open up their you know, open up their mind to not just the traditional operational data, not just the traditional marketing data, but look at it holistically because you do have more data than you've ever, different types of data than you've ever had before. Then you have to respect the fact that you have to manage it and organize it and then analyze it. And those technologies... You know, certain technologies are purpose-built for certain parts of this big data challenge, right? And so understanding that and deploying technologies within your organization into the right hands, you know, you let you um, mentioned data scientists. Well, not, mm-hmm. you know, some are market analysts. Some are operational general managers who need to know how to refine and course correct on a daily basis. Finding the right profile of data user is also going to contribute to the effectiveness. I, you know, I personally know those, those challenges of big data. I deal with data every day, mm-hmm. and I know that the, the technology can feel overwhelming, right, whether it's database technology or visualization or machine learning or predictive, right? It can feel very overwhelming. But I think one of the parts about solving this is 
you know, solving that experience challenge that you have to reach the market, it is an iterative process. Crystal is absolutely right. This is not something you do and you stop doing. You do it once and then you just, you know, rinse and repeat. This is iterative. It is malleable. And you really do need to be constantly evaluating and challenging yourself through the iteration process. Don't feel like you've ever become mature enough of an organization to not question and challenge how you're bringing data together and how you're utilizing it and putting it at the hands of your organization. That is always something we as leaders need to be really uh, thinking about is that iterative process that is so important to this area. Thank you, Shannon. Great words of wisdom. Ramon Ray, please add your voice to this great conversation we're having. What are your thoughts? Absolutely. Thank you, Shannon and Krista. I think these are on point. I was talking to a friend of mine uh, who works at Macy's, and, and I hope this is okay what I'm saying. But yes, bottom line is. is he said that, uh, okay, good. <laughs> yeah, I think that what, what I'm trying to say is I think what's important also is, one, your ground troops. I'm not sure maybe there's a better way to say it, but look at the people closest to the, the customer. And then mm-hmm. two, just simple observations. And the observation I asked him is that, how do you know the metrics for your department and the shoe department? And he said two things. A, when we bring the customer the right shoe, two, when it comes back fast. So to me, it was just like, huh, that's cool that they knew those are the two points for the, for the junior staff that are just bringing the lady or the guy, but there's in the ladies' department, their shoe. They said, if we get that right for that department, that's what matters. The right shoe and fast, nothing else. And our, and our sales will go. So I thought that was an interesting anecdote of makes a big company, billions of data points. But for that small department, they knew those two things were critical and had to be measured. Very interesting. And I'll, I'll throw in something here just on a, a, a B2C basis. I, in Durham, I'm lucky enough to have 1.3 miles away a brand new Harris Teeter grocery store. It has a wine department that rivals any medium to virgin and large size liquor store. It's just amazing. They have a, a bar. They have fresh foods prepared. If you ask where something is, they will literally take you to that department. Oh, it's an aisle four. You know, when I was in New York, and so you're lucky if they tell you what aisle was in. Here they actually walk you to it and make sure you get what you want. But I get a weekly email, and it says, here's what's on special. And it reflects some of the things I like to buy. Not just what everybody wants, but there might be, they know I buy raspberries every week. This is a sale on raspberries. They know I buy a certain brand of, 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 of a muffin mix, Krusty's muffin mix, the honeycorn muffin mix, which is very good. And they'll put that, so they are basically, Ramon, with the analogy of the Macy's Woman's Shoe Department, they're basically saying, right. okay, this customer bought this. It's been three weeks. Maybe she needs it again. We'll give her, based on her, her loyalty card, we're going to customize mm-hmm. the offer of the sale. And then if she buys it again, we know we're right. right. There you go. So yeah. I just, I had to. we forget, buddy, that these are, that we forget that people, now we're talking about it. I mean, this is what business is all about. We have the data, but the data should be to, towards an end. And now I want to come to your house and eat with you. I mean, look at that. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much Shannon I'm going to move on thank you Crystal that was very thought provoking comment from you Shannon I think we have a, I have a perfect segue into what we've been talking about here you say while the data is the baseline the experience is the game changer why and I'm going to let you fill in the blank there Shannon Platts talk to us it goes back to your quote to, to Kobe so talk to me a little bit about this please you bet so you know, why does this matter, right? Why is experience a game changer? It's because it goes to the basic human need noted by Covey, right, in the in the quote that we talked about earlier. You just gave a wonderful personal story about what that brand is now doing, what that retail brand is now doing to engage you as a customer and how positive that, how positive that has been and should continue to be for you. If this goes wrong, it is a missed opportunity at the very least, and it is catastrophic to retention and loyalty and growth if it goes wrong. Right? If you don't want to care if you don't care enough to value me, I do have options. And the thing about today's world, and I think this is something I, I really encourage organizations to think about. We used to think about well, if they have a bad experience on the call center line, you know, well, 
they they'll forgive us or you know they'll get over it right in today's world it's never been easier for a consumer or a business to switch to switch from you to your competitor cloud technology allows for us to switch on a dime in our organization humans buy from humans even if they're representing businesses guess what I have an opportunity to find equally comparable products and services out there. So we have to really understand that getting this right, the data and the experience are both the experience trumps data insight every day if we don't take that data and do the right things with it. And if we don't care enough to value the the consumer or the person that we're engaging with on the business side, they will switch and it is very easy in this day and age for them to switch. So we and, want to retain them more than ever mm-hmm. and grow. And Shannon, this, this goes to B to B to B as well as B to C, correct? Oh, absolutely. Much, absolutely. Yeah. Where you're not seeing a sale as quick as I'll pick up an extra bag of uh, air, 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 air fried, fried, French fries, sweet fries, sweet potato fries, whatever it is. Thank you. Uh, let's go around the table quickly. We're almost at our predictions round. Ramon Ray, please comment on what Shannon just shared about, hey, experience is the game changer. Pass the data. What do you think? It is so powerful. I'll give you an example of something that happened to me about four hours ago. I was working out, trying to be healthy, and I'm, I'm at a hotel. I mentioned it if you want, but I'm at a big, big, big hotel, and mm-hmm. I bought something of a lady. Okay, the Marriott Hotel. Lady came back and said uh, she must have looked in the database, talking about data, right? She's a frontline employee, but she came back and gave me a little cookie, and she said, thank you for being a loyal Marriott customer. It oh. seems small. It's a dumb cookie. But it meant so much to me. And I yes. think this goes back to what you said, Shannon. The data, the, the big people behind the scenes in the brick windowless rooms. I'm saying that tongue in cheek. <laughs> Putting all this data in there. But the frontline employee, who, who it matters to me, too, she gave me a cookie. Because she saw my, as it were, status. And she made my experience even better than it already was because of data. Very, very, very important. Very nice. Yes. And, and this goes back to what I said, Ramon and Crystal and Shannon. It's just people. There's a person, yeah. even in B2B, there's a person who's making that buying decision. Yes, it might be committee. Yes, it might be a big procurement issue. Yes, it might be who's the flag waiver and whose department is on top this month and who's going to make the decision and we need this and we need that and who picked you over 15 competitors. But it still comes down to people. And Shannon, you're yep. right. Experience is still the game changer. And Ramon, I bet that cookie was good. I've had the cookie experience <laughs> in hotels years ago. And, and it, they just bring you up and there's a, a little bag of warm, fresh chocolate chip cookies mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. die for. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Thank you very much. So let's, I think we're, oh my goodness, we're in the crystal ball predictions round now. And I know my three panelists are ready. And I'm really, really enjoying the conversation among the three of you. Ramon Ray, let's start with you. I can give you exactly 60 seconds. That's all I've got. I'm serious. I need to know your prediction for what will change about needing the right data for B2B revenue growth. Ramon, 60 seconds, all yours. Yeah, I think there's going to be a huge increase between companies that are using data properly and uh, and for their business and for this experience and those who are not. And you're going to see a shift happening bigger and bigger and bigger between companies that are failing, companies that are not doing so well, and companies that are succeeding. And one reason, besides a few other key points, is going to be all about the experience and how they're making customers feel with that data. Those who don't get it, they may not be around in the next two to five to ten years. That's what I think is going to keep, keep happening. Exactly right. Thank you. Yes, or it could be two to ten to five, five to ten years. It could be six months. You don't, you don't know with the business cycle these days. Crystal Willett at Itelligence, love to get your prediction. Crystal, what do you see in the crystal ball? Well, I see um, a lot of change, and I see that as myself, as a marketer, I need to be agile and able to adapt to that change, and I'm going to use data to make those adaptions and make those changes in my course and create that fabulous customer experience that we're all talking about because it, it is so true. At the end of the day, you're selling to a person or a couple of people, and they're buying from a person, not from a big business. They're buying because they like you, and you gave them a good customer experience. Thank you very much. Perfect. Thank you. And Shannon Platts, I say, Shannon, breaking news. They were so concise and brief and to the point. You can have two minutes for your prediction. It's a gift time, Shannon. I'm not not sure I need that. But I will say (laughs) that um, 
I, when we think about data, I think data volumes are not going away. We're going to just see, you know, that that number that you introduced at the beginning of the uh, radio show, that number will get bigger and bigger as we progress year to year, right? In the next five years, we'll see that number go up. So no one should expect the data volumes to go down. I think that in and of itself it outlines where we will have technological uh, responses to that size of data. So be on your toes about the technology advancements that are there and stay on top of that. But more importantly, when we think about the experience side of things, we are also seeing higher and higher expectations for our experiences, whether it's new generations expecting more personalized um, experiences, whether it is um, more rapid innovations to the new products and services that are entering market. We are just living in an accelerated time, but we're also living in a higher expectation culture. And I, I, you know, I get back to the point where that is, if I see a game changer or I see a crystal ball per, uh, perspective, it is the need to drive your businesses and your organizations to those two very fundamentals. Data growth is inevitable and is happening every day. Expectations are higher than they've ever been, and your experience focus needs to be at a pervasive across your entire culture of your organization. And I'll leave the, I'll leave the comment to a simple thank you or word of appreciation just as the start of the experience. Building from there makes every investment, every investment you make in resources, technology, people, that is worthwhile. Those investments are worthwhile. And they are ultimately the game changer for opportunity for growth, revenue growth, business growth, expansion for your organization. That, that is really, if we have a crystal ball and we need to know what are the two primary levers we need to be adjusting, those are them. And they Thank will you. automatically drive growth. Thank you very much. Words of wisdom, words to the wise. Thank you to my three panelists. What a great conversation we've had. I truly enjoyed it. And again, a shout out to Lorraine Maurice at SAP, who very wisely sponsors this series, Changing the Game in Revenue Growth, and to Brittany Gu. I understand we're getting a new intern who is sitting in for Brittany. I just saw the email. Thank you very much for all of your wonderful care and TLC for the series, Brittany. Wishing you well. Thank you also to Aaron Keller, our engineer extraordinaire at the Business Channel at World Talk Radio Voice America. America. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here is my call to action. I've been given the word. I have one minute to close the show, and we can do it. So here we go. <laughs> Fasten your seatbelt. What in the world are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Ramon Ray at Very Smart Hustle Media. I just renamed your company. Crystal Willett, Very Smart Intelligence, and Shannon Platts, always elegant and smart at SAP. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. That's it for today. We'll be back with two more live shows tomorrow 11 a.m i'll be on air with my brand new series technology revolution the future of now talking about data and technology and sports specifically fan controlled fantasy football league you don't want to miss it 11 a.m eastern right here on the business channel have a great day bye bye Thanks again for tuning in to Changing the Game in Revenue Growth, presented by SAP, the best run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.